the fact of the matter is, if you want my help with this sister of yours, I must ask you to put us up for a while. Mr. Brundy had the sinking feeling that his honeymoon cottage was assuming all the more disagreeable characteristics of a posting-house. Is it as bad as all that? he protested with a note of desperation in his voice. Believe me, Mr. Brundy, asserted Lady Tabor, only the direst of circumstances could compel me to entreat your hospitality. Believe me, ma'am, only the direst of circumstances could compel me to insult you by offering it, replied the weaver, making her ladyship an elaborate bow. Lady Tabor, to whom rank and age afforded the luxury of rudeness, was rarely answered in kind, and her son, confident of his friend's ability to hold his ground, watched in amused expectation for the fireworks which were sure to follow. But he never even heard his mother's reply, if, in fact, reply she made at all, for at that moment Lady Helen returned from her shopping expedition, bearing with her the plague from which he was expected to deliver the Brundy domicile. She was surprisingly small, as plagues go, with a trim figure swathed in peach-coloured jaconet muslin. She had not yet put off her hat, and this confection, wide-brimmed in the gypsy style and tied under the chin with peach-coloured ribbons, framed a heart-shaped face with wide blue eyes, a perfect bow of a mouth, and a mass of riotous red-gold curls. Sir Aubrey raised his quizzing glass, the better to survey his adversary, but he quite forgot the promised scowl. Mr. Brundy had certainly understated the case when he described his uninvited guest as pretty enough, but in all else it seemed he was quite correct in his assessment. Glancing from the delicate beauty in peach to his friend's rough-edged vitality, Sir Aubrey was quite certain they had never occupied the same womb. The girl was unquestionably a fraud. "'Why, Sir Aubrey, I had no idea you were in Brighton,' Lady Helen's voice intruded upon his thoughts. "'And you have brought your mamma. Good afternoon, Lady Tabor. May I present Miss Crump?' "'Enchanted,' drawled Sir Aubrey, making his bow. "'Lady Helen, my doltish son has driven me to Brighton only to inform me that we have no place to stay,' Lady Tabor informed her without preamble. "'I hope we may prevail upon you and your husband to take us in.' Lady Helen glanced at her husband for assistance, but received only an expressive shrug. "'Oh, but I—that is, of course, we should be delighted,' faltered Lady Helen. "'Unfortunately, we have only three bedrooms, and—' "'Only three? Lady Tabor bent a disapproving glare on her host. "'I should have thought that a man of your means, Mr. Brandy, would have hired a larger house.' "'Or didn't expect to have house-guests,' was his satiric reply. "'There, there, my lady. I'm sure we can manage,' Lady Helen said briskly. "'You, of course, must have a room of your own. Sir Aubrey may share Mr. Brundy's room, and I will share with Miss Crump. "'Oh, no, you will not,' declared Mr. Brundy in a tone which brooked no argument. "'The house may be full, Helen, but this is still me honeymoon, and I'll be hanged if I'll spend it with him,' he concluded, jerking a contemptuous thumb in Sir Aubrey's direction." Lady Helen blushed to the roots of her hair. "'Ethan!' she cried aghast. "'What will Lady Tabor think?' "'She already has the poorest opinion of me, so she can hardly think worse than she did before,' was his practical observation. "'Aubrey can have a room of his own, and Lady Tabor can put up with Miss Crump, and anyone who doesn't like the room assignments,' he added to the group at large, "'is welcome to make other arrangements.' As Lady Tabor was not accustomed to being dictated to, and certainly not by anyone of so humble a station as Mr. Brundy, it was doubtful she could have articulated a protest, even had she made the attempt. As for Sir Aubrey and Polly, they were hardly aware of the quarrel in their midst, 
being fully occupied in taking one another's measure. "'Tell me, Miss Crump, how do you find Brighton?' asked Sir Aubrey, all the while looking her up and down in a manner designed to put her out of countenance. "'Oh, very much to my liking,' she assured him. "'But will you not call me Polly, sir?' "'No, I will not,' he informed her. "'For one thing, we are not nearly well enough acquainted for me to take such a liberty, and for another, I doubt I could bring myself to call you such, even if we were. It smacks of the servants' quarters, Miss Crump. Should anyone be so bold as to inquire, you must tell them it is a diminutive of Apollonia. The impostor's blue eyes sparkled with indignation, and, had she but known it, her rounded bosom rose and fell enticingly against her jaconet muslin bodice. Well, of all the insufferable— What is the matter, Miss Crump? Have you moral scruples against assuming a name that is none of your own?' 